traits with their parent. These are vertical identities. Attributes and values are passed down from parent to child across the generations, not only through strands of DNA, but also through shared cultural norms. Ethnicity, for example, is a vertical identity. Children of color are in general born to parents of color. The genetic fact of skin pigmentation is transmitted across generations, along with a self-image as a person of color, even though that self-image may be subject to generational flux. Language is usually vertical, since most people who speak Greek raise their children to speak Greek too, even if they inflect it differently or speak another language much of the time. Religion is moderately vertical. Catholic parents will tend to bring up Catholic children, though the children may turn irreligious or convert to another faith. Nationality is vertical except for immigrants. Blondness and myopia are often transmitted from parent to child, but in most cases do not form a significant basis for identity. Blondness because it is fairly insignificant, and myopia because it is easily corrected. Often, however, someone has an inherent or acquired trait that is foreign to his or her parents, and must therefore acquire identity from a peer group. This is a horizontal identity. Such horizontal identities may reflect recessive genes, random mutations, prenatal influences, or values and preferences that a child does not share with his progenitors. Being gay is a horizontal identity. Most gay kids are born to straight parents, and while their sexuality is not determined by their peers, they learn gay identity by observing and participating in a subculture outside the family. Physical disability tends to be horizontal, as does genius. Psychopathy, too, is often horizontal. Most criminals are not raised by mobsters and must invent their own treachery. So are conditions such as autism and intellectual disability. A child conceived in rape is born into emotional challenges that his own mother cannot know, even though they spring from her trauma. In 1993, I was assigned to investigate deaf culture for the New York Times. My assumption about deafness was that it was a deficit and nothing more. Over the months that followed, I found myself drawn into the deaf world. Most deaf children are born to hearing parents, and those parents frequently prioritize functioning in the hearing world, expending enormous energy on oral speech and lip-reading. Doing so, they can neglect other areas of their children's education. While some deaf people are good at lip-reading and produce comprehensible speech, many do not have that skill, and years go by as they sit endlessly with audiologists and speech pathologists instead of learning history and mathematics and philosophy. Many stumble upon deaf identity in adolescence, and it comes as a great liberation. They move into a world that validates sign as a language, and discover themselves. Some hearing parents accept this powerful new development. Others struggle against it. The whole situation felt arrestingly familiar to me, because I am gay. Gay people usually grow up under the purview of straight parents, who feel that their children would be better off straight, and sometimes torment them by pressing them to conform. Those gay people often discover gay identity in adolescence or afterward, finding great relief there. When I started writing about the deaf, the cochlear implant, which can provide some facsimile of hearing, 
was a recent innovation. It had been hailed by its progenitors as a miraculous cure for a terrible defect and was deplored by the deaf community as a genocidal attack on a vibrant community. Both sides have since moderated their rhetoric, but the issue is complicated by the fact that cochlear implants are most effective when they are surgically implanted early, in infants ideally, so the decision is often made by parents before the child can possibly have or express an informed opinion. Watching the debate, I knew that my own parents would gamely have consented to a parallel early procedure to ensure that I would be straight had one existed. I do not doubt that the advent of such a thing even now could wipe out most of gay culture. I am saddened by the idea of such a threat, and yet as my understanding of deaf culture deepened, I realized that the attitudes I had found benighted in my parents resembled my own likely response to producing a deaf child. My first impulse would have been to do whatever I could to fix the abnormality.